There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Well, great to be with you, everyone. My name is Neil. I'm part of the leadership team here at King's. And thank you for connecting in with us again. We're now in our fourth week of our Finding God series. And those of you who are here for the first time, I want to say it's really good to have you with us. Thank you. It's all based around the story that you just heard, the prodigal son. Jesus was brilliant at telling stories. But we also heard stories during this series of people in this church that have discovered the love of God for themselves. And we'll come back to another one of those later. Jim and Laurie were on a luxury cruise to the Bahamas. He won the cruise for being the top producer in his company. On the last day of the cruise, the ship arrives back in Florida. It's morning, just as it's time to wake up. Bam! 
bam. You know, someone's trying to lock the door down. His wife, Laurie, she's closest to the door. She opens it just a fraction. That's all it took. Six drug enforcement agents plowed into the room, bulletproof vests, semi-automatic weapons, immediately pointing at Jim as he sits on the bed in his underwear. Don't move. You're under arrest. They had warrants for his arrest in six states. Offense? Dealing in cocaine. Well, he knows they've got the wrong guy. And he's thinking, he's just thinking through how to explain this. And a number of executives from his company, also on board, arrive outside his room too, including his boss. This actually happened. So what Jim discovered later was that he was the victim of identity theft. Someone had acquired his credit card accounts and his social security number. I mean, it took hours to convince the agents they had the wrong guy. It took weeks to explain to his boss and co-workers in order they fully understood what had happened. And it took thousands of dollars in fees to get his name cleared. Identity theft is not unusual in our world today. But what about the times our identity isn't taken? And yet we lose our identity on our own. In a way, this is what happened to this son in Jesus' story. I mean, his whole journey begins, as we've heard, with longings. We all have longings. I mean, genuine longings for love, purpose, meaning. You know, these things are common for all of us. These longings can either draw us toward or away from God. Tim Keller. He's an author and church leader, and he writes about a single lady he knew, desperate to have children, and eventually got married, and contrary to medical expectations, she had two healthy children. This was what it was to be truly fulfilled, except it wasn't. Her overpowering drive to give her children a perfect life made it impossible to enjoy them. Her overprotectiveness, fears, Anxieties, her need to control every detail of the children's lives made family miserable. One child did poorly at school, showed signs of serious emotional problems, and the younger was just filled with anger. Her desperate longing for children actually ruined them. If a career or that relationship, you know, that particular relationship, is the place of ultimate fulfillment, We leave ourselves extremely vulnerable. People or things, they just cannot hold the worth and value of your life. There is too much to you, and it's too much to ask of others. You'll end up disappointed. You know, all our longings outside of God massively fall short. Now, in his journey, the son comes to the place of regret. It says he comes to his senses. Bronnie Ware, who worked a number of years in palliative care, wrote an article called The Five Regrets of the Dying. In fact, of the five regrets, three of them involve relationships. This is one of them. I worked too much and never made time for my family. She said this was the most common regret amongst men. They had missed their children's youth. They'd missed their partner's companionship. Actually, they'd miss family life. Men get so much kudos out of work 
And at the end of the day, ask the question, why did I put all that time into that? Wishing they could have another go at life. I wonder, how many times in this story did the son wish he could start all over again? Uh, to be honest, that's part of my story too. I wanted to come back to God, but I wanted to make a success of my life on my own terms. I wanted to show that I could do it, but the truth was I couldn't. I mean, outwardly, it looked as though I was doing okay, but inwardly, I was empty. I just, it was just a hole I couldn't fill. I know this story. He comes to his senses Verse 20 says he got up and went to his father. He makes the journey home to the father he humiliated and the friends and family he utterly disregarded. And as we heard last week, he simply asked for help. He went home. And for us, it's the realization I cannot do this on my own. I can't find fulfillment by myself. The cure for all our longings is to yearn not for the wrong things, but for the right thing. The son in the story goes to his father. And later I'm going to give you this same opportunity to respond to the God who longs to have you home too. He simply asks for help. Coming home, however, is only part of the story. The journey still has a way to go. Yet it's truly a new life. But it doesn't mean that everything is magically fixed. And even after coming home, we can forget who we are. We can still lose our identity. Uh, let's remind ourselves what the son says. He says in verse 21, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. This is such an important moment. He's received the kindness of God. His father, he's received the embrace, the hugs and the kisses from his father. And yet his opinion of himself is still with the pigs. He hasn't caught up with his new reality, his new identity. You know, sometimes the shame of our past looms over us like a foreboding shadow. It wants us to stay back there. It whispers to us, you must be kidding. After all you've done. You don't deserve this kindness. It makes us sit in a prison cell even when the door is open. Shame keeps us from embracing our true identity. Hence, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Shame invites us to earn our way back. Before the father interrupted him, he was going to say the rest of his rehearsed speech, you know, make me like one of your hired servants. In other words, I'll earn the right to come into this home. I wonder if you do that. But the father is taking all the initiative here. He's got his son back. He doesn't want a servant. He wants his son. And then reinforces his love for his son immediately. Verse 22, he says, quick, get the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. We miss the significance of this in our culture, I can tell you. Robes, ring, sandals. The best robe is the father's robe. It's not a spare one. It's not an old one. It's the best one. It's an unmistakable sign of being restored to the family. 
rope of assurance that he belongs. He doesn't have to prove himself. He doesn't have to earn his status. This is home. This is where he belongs. And the ring, it's a symbol of the father's power and authority. It's like giving his son his credit card. This broke, penniless, spendthrift of a son now has the financial identity of his father. He looks at this ring. <laughs> you know, he'll never go without a meal again. Never without a place to sleep. As a massive sign of security. Sandals. Only family wore sandals in the house. Servants went barefoot. The father's message is loud and clear. Welcome home. You're not a servant. You're my son. You are family. The father's waited long enough for this moment. He's not going to miss it. These gifts, they're not merely gifts for the sake of giving gifts. This is to reinforce that he is deeply loved by his father. And this is his true identity. His father is ensuring that no one is going to take it from him. I have to say, when I look at my own life, so often I've lived under the shadow of past regrets. And the accusations of shame constantly being whispered over my life. There are times I don't feel worthy of God's love. And I wonder if that's you today. And perhaps you realize you've lost your identity too. Even after you've come home. Sometimes, you know, we often have to come back again and again. And and perhaps that's you today. At this place of coming home he realizes that the father loves him deeply after all. Now, we're going to hear another real-life story from someone here at King's, how finding God absolutely transformed her life. This is Anna's story. My life can be best described in two parts, who I was before I found Jesus and who I am now. As a child, I didn't believe I was lovable, I thought something was wrong or broken in me. I've always had some kind of knowledge that God cared about me, but I didn't appreciate or recognize this as love. At the same time, I longed deeply to be loved, to know and understand myself, and to build a family to love. Believing I was unlovable led me to undervalue myself and to look for love in the wrong places. Up until the age of 14, I'd been the perfect student. I loved school and homework, was strongly committed to sports and had many good Christian friends. But that feeling of being unloved wouldn't go away and it started to affect the way I acted. It was like overnight I started to rebel. I rebelled against my family, I stopped doing sports, I cut myself from off from my good friends and all the things I had been taught as a child in Sunday school. My poor parents, teachers and peers must have been horrified at the path I chose. It is what I can only describe as self-destruction and it continued throughout my teens. I'm not going to go into details, but I got myself mixed up with the worst sorts of trouble and people. I had rejected my family, my friends and God. By the time I was 21, I had made it impossible to love me. I was a nightmare and living a horror story. But then one day I cried out to God. 
I remember pleading that if there wasn't a better life for me than the life I had created, then I wanted it all to end. I felt completely broken and desperate. That very day, God began to move and changed my life. The God I had rejected welcomed me back with loving arms. I moved away to a wonderful Christian rehabilitation centre, and through the people I met there, through their actions, words and example, I encountered God's love, grace and forgiveness. The Lord asked me to believe in him as I had nothing to lose. Up until that point, I had been scared to believe in case it all turned out to be untrue. But I surrendered to his love and mercy and I asked Jesus to take charge of my life. The Lord started to speak to me, teaching me a different way of thinking and living and most significantly of all, what I believed about myself. He began to rebuild what had been broken through his words, through dreams that he gave me, through listening to Christian music, God began to transform me. That was 15 years ago, but I can still testify today to Jesus' faithfulness, his love, mercy, hope, his grace and his peace. I am still so grateful and utterly blown away by how much he loves me. The identity I once carried of feeling unloved has changed to knowing I am deeply loved. God has really blessed me. I have a wonderful family I once thought impossible. I had been married for 10 years to my loving and patient husband, Andy. We have a daughter who is the most wonderful and precious gift imaginable. And our son is my little warrior, my absolute heart. My relationships with my family have also been completely restored. The Lord has taught me how to build a successful business, how to love and show kindness to my clients, and how to work with integrity. Being a member of King's has been a key part in my journey. Being accepted, loved and known has made it much easier to remain faithful through the highs and the lows. Life with Jesus doesn't mean everything goes well all the time. We have his favour, but living through hardships and trials are all part of this life. However, with God, even in the hardest moments of turmoil, are filled with hope and peace. The love of God has completely transformed my life. In response to the love of God, Anna saw herself completely different to how she used to. He transformed her life, healed her brokenness. You know, the last thing that Anna said was that the love of God had transformed her life. The author, Brennan Manning, he writes these words. He says, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. And this is the true self. Every other identity is an illusion. God's love for you and his choice of you constitute, or sorry, constitute your worth. Let it become the most important thing in your life. The prayer associated with being awakened to God's love in the 30-day challenge is, God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the awareness that I am an unconditionally loved child. 
Let me ask you, do you know that? Do you realize who you are? Do you understand that you are loved and you're forgiven and you're accepted? God loves for us to know that we are loved. This is Anna's story. And my hope is that for those of you who know this Jesus today, you'll walk confidently in your true identity. The Bible has plenty to say about your new identity. It says in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You, know, you, you are a new person in Christ. You are home. In Romans it says, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are not condemned. You know, it's goodbye to shame and welcome home. Your true identity in Christ changes how you think about yourself and how you think about others. We often hear that word unprovoked in relation to anger and violence, such as an unprovoked attack. Uh, For instance, uh, Mr. Evans, uh, let's say a pensioner was standing at a bus stop It was robbed, beaten, in an unprovoked attack. Well, we've been on the receiving end of God's unprovoked love. Do you know, we never saw it coming. I mean, his love shows up unannounced, unexpected, and completely undeserved. This is love, the Bible says. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And on the cross, Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In dying for our sins, Jesus experienced what it is to be truly forsaken so that you and I might come home and where we truly belong. And for those of you who would like to respond this morning, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. I'll pray a line at a time. And you can repeat each line after we. And for the rest of you, please be praying now for all those who will be praying this prayer. Pray with me now. Heavenly Father, I turn to you for help. I ask you to forgive my sin. Jesus, save me and make me new. Thank you that you died for me on the cross to bring me freedom. Thank you that you rose from the dead to give me new life. Thank you that you unconditionally love me. Thank you that you filled me with your spirit so I can serve you and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Amen. Now, for those who responded and prayed that prayer, 
And let me tell you, that's great news. It's the best thing you could have ever done. But it's really important to now talk and pray with someone. That might be somebody you already know in the church. Maybe the person who invited you to watch. But also, if you're watching this online, live, we have an online prayer room with a prayer team who would love to pray for you. And Rich will direct you towards that prayer team and any other next steps that, you'll be, that will be helpful for you. So I'm going to hand back to Rich now. I want to thank you for listening, listening in today. God bless you.